Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast with Joshua Latimer, where we discuss business, life, family, faith, struggle, fire, pain, and ultimately winning. It's time to take massive action. Look, I, I can't work harder on your life or business than you do. It's ultimately all on you. You know, God created all the food the birds would ever need, but he doesn't put it in their nest. You've got to go get it. 10 out of 10 people die. So how about doing something today that actually matters while you still can? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Quick Talk Podcast. Josh here. Hope you're doing phenomenal. I have a special treat for you that I've been looking forward to for over a week now, ever since I reached out to my good buddy, Michael Dalkey, and I threatened his... I threatened him. I won't say how. I said, you have to share your knowledge with the people. They need to know the stuff. And in addition to Michael Dalkey, my good buddy being on here, is my other friend, Michael Kaplan. And you've heard me talk about him. Both of these gentlemen have been on the podcast before. Uh, and they're just really smart. You know, when you meet certain people and kind of like the mental RPMs are a little bit higher. And so like, even as you talk to them, you become really quickly aware that they're smarter than you. Yeah, that happens to me when I talk to either of these guys. But luckily, they're both very humble, but they're very accomplished. And we're going to have like a three-part podcast series to really help you guys understand where, what areas of business uh, for home service companies, where do people typically get stuck? And then how do we fix it? You know, the, the whole purpose of this podcast, really, other than having fun and motivating you, is to give you actionable advice that you could actually implement like tomorrow that would make like a measurable impact on your, your bottom line immediately, right? Not just conjecture and theory and all that stuff. These guys are living it. They both have multi-million dollar businesses. In fact, Michael Kaplan has a really, really, really big business, like 10 to 20 million something, huge number, scary number. Uh, but they all started like little itty bitty people like everybody else, but they know certain things that you guys need to know. And I'm happy to introduce both of you. Um, Michael and Michael, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So where are you at, Dalkey? You're in Tennessee now, right? I am in Nashville. Okay. But you don't have an We're accent. Working on my, no, I'm, I'm working on my country music career, but since I don't sing and don't play an instrument, it's not going so well. And you can so, just wash yeah, windows anyway. as a backup, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. And you're currently operating several different companies. It's hard to keep up, but you guys are in what, five or six different states. You got a kind of a hybrid of window cleaning stuff. You got some maid service companies. Can you give us just a snapshot of what you got going on? Uh, yeah, there's five, five states with blue skies. Um, and then we've done some investments, uh, Kaplan and I together, um, Missouri, uh, California, Nashville, and are looking at a couple other opportunities in Orlando, um, and other states as well. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. And Mr. Kaplan, thank you so much for being here. How are you, sir? Mr. Kaplan, that, that's intimidating. <laughs> Well, someone that has as I'm, cool of a beard as you, I have to like have massive respect for. <laughs> Watch what picture you put on the website. Um, I'm doing great. I'm I'm happy to be here. Um, I kind of grew up in the service business uh, by buying a struggling zero res carpet cleaning franchise. Uh, we grew that into six locations. We do. You said it between ten and twenty million uh, in carpet cleaning. But uh, my real passion right now is uh, growing these little things with Mike Dalkey and figuring out uh, what the next investment looks like. Well, what's really interesting, not to go on a total rabbit trail, although I'm totally fine if we have some, if they're fun, is like 
like I've been able to meet some like really, really high achieving people the last year or two. It's been a huge privilege. But one thing I notice is like after people achieve quote unquote success with their company, you know, like when you're not making any money, it feels impossible to make a million dollars with your business. But then when you do it, you're like, oh, that's not that cool. Let's do five million. And then we do that. You're like, that's not. But eventually you reach a point where you, you realize that the like the accomplishment of your business doesn't give you fulfillment necessarily. And then it's like all of you guys do the same thing. You start looking for like ways to to focus on contribution, basically, like helping people, like investing in other people. Like, like is, has that been true for you guys along your journey? Because your companies are at scale. They run without you completely. They have for a long time. Is part of this like restlessness just because you want to get back to your real passion, which is helping other people? Yeah, I do think that there's something to be said about that, Josh. One of my mentors used to say, money ceases to be a motivator when you have enough. Um, and there's a certain amount where you're not going to go out to dinner anymore. You're not going to do things. You're going to do the things you love and you're passionate about. So money stops being a motivator once you can pay the bills and you have some left over and things like that. But I think for both Kaplan and I, and Kaplan, please interject if I'm putting words in your mouth. We both got into the service business uh, expecting to be investors, to ex- expecting to to help take underutilized assets and turn them into really sexy things, turn people that were struggling and stuck into really awesome leaders. We had both went into it thinking about being an investor, being a, a business person, a capitalist, if you will. And we both got into a service business and woke up seven years later and we did turn some ugly assets into really sexy things and some people into really great leaders. But when we got there, we said, hey, wait, this wasn't the plan. I wasn't supposed to be a carpet cleaner. I wasn't supposed to be a, a window cleaner. Uh, and as those businesses started to run without us, uh, we were able to have the space to say, you know what, how do I get back to the original mission? What For me, what God created me to do, which was to be an investor and to do these type of things, the things that I'm really good at. So while I was a good operator in window cleaning and I still operate at some, some level out of window cleaning, what I was really passionate about was the idea of investing in people and in businesses. And that's what I'm looking to do more of now to help those people do what I did and achieve the lifestyle that they want for themselves and their family. Did I split, put some words in your mouth, Kaplan? Yeah, it's, I'm kind of upset because I, I got nothing to add, but I'll, <laughs> I'll try. I try and fill the space here in this podcast. You could end it. But I, you know, same kind of thing. I, I found early on that I, uh, really enjoyed helping people develop their business models um, as part of a franchise system that was uh, really young and raw. It was kind of the wild west. So we didn't have, you know, I think of franchising with Subway where they tell you how much meat to put on what sub and you open your doors and your job's just to keep the lights on and follow the system. That was not what we had. So we were sourcing new resources and finding new vendors and coming up with pricing strategies. And I had a ton of fun doing it locally, but then beating up the ideas and saying, hey, why is Boise different? How do we figure it out there? What do we do in Sacramento? What's that look like? Or how how do they do it in Atlanta? Because uh, there's a different clientele and a different workforce. I had a great time beating up those ideas in the carpet space and found myself being drawn into businesses uh, that are in pest control and moving services and ABC XYZ, pretty much everything but restaurants I've worked on uh, and I've had a blast doing it. And I've, I love exploring uh, how to take business principles uh, 
across any industry and apply them to try and figure out um, how do you get a, a system that that flows well and makes sense. I love it. I, one of the I think one of the cool parts about both of you is that you bring like this almost like formal, like I don't want to say Wall Street, but like this this like traditional business, like the nomenclature, the words you use are all like businessy, investory, fancy. But you're in the service business world, and I call people the typical people that start businesses, like home service businesses. I call them blue collar entrepreneurs, right? Because typically these aren't like people that went and got an MBA and then like studied like capital markets and did all this. Fa- like they worked for someone and it wasn't a good situation, and then they got pregnant, and then they said, "I'm going to do this my own my, on my own," right? And so it's been this series of like school of hard knock stuff, which in a way is like. It's it's a it can be a very tough path and a lot of people do get stuck. But what you guys bring to the table is like the just the the high level business expertise. I mean, far beyond anything I was ever trained in, and pretty much everybody listening to this. So you guys bring a really unique perspective, and I want to really dive into it because when I asked uh, you, Michael Dalkey, I'm just going to call you by your last name since you're both named Michael. <laughs> but when I keep it simple, yeah. When I talked to Dalkey, I'm like, what you know? He's talking about businesses being stuck, and Michael, you had privately shared with me a long time ago that you were doing these outside investments. Like you were trying to find business owners that were really good people who like had integrity and like they had the pieces, but they didn't understand how to fit it together. Or maybe they had the pieces, but they needed some capital. And you had found one of these people like in California and you made this investment and I'll let you get go over the details later if you guys want to, but um, like they get stuck, right? But they're good people and they get stuck and you had found this person. So I asked you, why do you think people get stuck? with their service company. And without even hesitating, you, you, you gave me three answers. You said, number one is leadership. Number two is their business model or lack thereof. And number three was money, money stuff, finance, capital. And each one of these uh, macro topics we could talk about. So what I'd like to do um, for this first interview is focus on leadership. Uh, if you guys can take us down that road and just kind of pour out everything you got, what your thoughts are on leadership, where are people getting it wrong, what don't they understand, and how can we help them? Yeah, Josh, absolutely. Uh, so we, looking at business and getting into the entrepreneur space and saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a window cleaning business owner, or I'm going to be a carpet cleaning business owner, there's so much that you don't know. I remember getting the first time I got a wage garnishment and I had no idea. The first time your email goes down and you realize there is no tech person there. The first time an employee quits, the the first time you get sued, which uh, it's really, really exciting. All of these things that have never happened before, you're expected to not only know how to do them, but you're also supposed to be able to do it awesome and figure it all out. And the reality is when you go through those things for the first time, you don't have any confidence in dealing with them. You have no idea what you're doing. You're just trying to get the next window cleaning job or deposit the next check or make payroll. It's really, really hard. And as you get through that, you get to this point where you start figuring out all those task-related things. The workers comp, got it. All right, got rent, got it. To make payroll, I can say it. But I've seen in working with a lot of business owners in the window cleaning space is then they get to this point where they just can't get over that ledge. They've been stuck at 400000 forever, 200000 or 800000 whatever the number is, they're just stuck. And the story I always say around leadership is in Nashville, there was a struggling Chinese restaurant here, and they were trying to grow and they were trying to expand. They ended up going bankrupt. When they were trying to grow and they were trying to, to expand, they were trying to make that magic formula work, make that, you know, like 
Catherine was talking about Subway and put the meat on. They kept messing with the menu. They kept messing with the decor. They kept moving tables around. They kept messing with all the technical stuff of their business. All of the stuff that you would think, oh, we had better food or we offered this type of rice or we did this type of wine or whatever it is that would work. And they ended up failing and going bankrupt. They met a gentleman who was in the restaurant business. He had done it for a long time. And he said, oh, you guys missed it. You don't need to mess with the menu. You don't need to mess with the chairs. You don't need to mess with the drinks. All you need to do to make your restaurant successful is have waiters and waitresses that speak better English and cleaner bathrooms. That's all you need to do. Now they have six locations and are continuing to expand and grow and are moving. So all they needed was the Yoda. They still were doing the work. They were still the concept. They they were still Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars saga. <laughs> but they needed Yoda to come in and say, "Hey, you just need to tweak these two things." Isn't and it I funny? Think about my, it's just. Absolutely. I'm sorry. It's just. It's funny how little Mike. It's almost like a micro calibration. Instead of ripping the whole car engine apart, it's like no, 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 no. You just didn't polish the chrome wheels. Like it takes 12 minutes. Like just do that. And, and the two tips you just gave in the Chinese restaurant example were both experiential related, not even like technical, right? Like give the people a better experience, clean up the disgusting bathroom. <laughs> and did you say they're in six locations now? Yeah. I think it's, they might be, we clean all of them in uh, Nashville here, our Nashville Broadwork company does, and I think it's six. Um, but it, it's just one of those things where they wouldn't have known. There was no way to know that. And you can keep testing it and you can keep testing it. But there's a person there behind the scenes who was able to say, hey, you know what? You're, you're just missing it. And I went through those and all those struggles and all those things. You can save yourself years of disappointment and struggle if you just change these two things and take my knowledge. So I really encourage uh, the, your listeners to, to find those Yodas. Uh, Kaplan was a Yoda for me for a long time. Uh, I bought many of the burger at five, eight in Minneapolis, trying to learn from him um, and other people. So I absolutely think that there's something to be said about finding great leadership and uh, Kaplan can speak more on the leadership model as well. Yeah. And just to clarify, you're saying find a Yoda, right? Like the Yoda was the, the business, cons- the, the, the person that gave him the advice to tweak those two things. That was their Yoda, right? That, that's what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Very someone good. who's done it before, someone who's went through it, who's a little further ahead than you. Good. Kaplan, what do you think about all this? Well, I'll, I'll pile on and first, uh, I'm not doing a Yoda voice. I, that, that's, uh, that's a deal breaker for me. Um, but but I, I think that uh, Mike uh, Dalkey nailed it when he talked about bringing in outside help. Um, old habits die hard. And I think you'll find that uh, that is always true where people do what they do because that's how they always do it. And um, it's, it's really tough to break that cycle. But uh, a silly little uh, story that uh, I think makes that point is um, the mom is making, you know, uh, Christmas ham and the daughter's in the kitchen and says, mom, why are you cutting the end off that ham uh, to, to bake it? And she said, well, that's, that's how we make it, you know. I, I don't know. It's how we, how we do it. And she looks at her and she's trying to figure out, is it because it tastes better? Is it because it's, you know, it, it soaks in the seasoning or what is it? And grandma walks in and mom says to grandma, Hey, why, why do we cut the end off the ham uh, before we put it in the oven? She says, Oh, I always had a pan that was too small and it didn't fit the ham. So I cut the end off and then I put it in the oven. And so they're, they're lopping off. <laughs> Yeah, you you're you're wasting perfectly good ham because of a a silly uh, 
acceptance of the way things are. And it is very, very difficult for someone to see the forest when, uh, when they're inside the trees. You get tunnel vision. You can't tell which way is left, which way is right. What system is just stupid? What system is wasteful? What system scales and what doesn't? You just, there's a lot of these things you just do because that's how you do them. Bringing in a third party, an outsider with fresh eyes who says, I don't know exactly how you do what you do, but I've seen businesses like yours a hundred times over and businesses that are different than yours a hundred times over. And here are good business practices. Ignore these particular uh, circumstances. What, what is a good business practice to make this thing run? And, you know, sunlight's the world's best disinfectant. And you can't get it if you're uh, if you can't uh, see ten feet in front of you. You got to bring someone in from the outside with fresh eyes, fresh ideas uh, to help you get on the right path. Yeah, I, th- I think like all of us get numb to our own kind of situation, you know, just because it's so hard and we're working hard and we're doing the best we can. And I always say, I mean, what you're saying, okay, one of the things I always say is that people don't have an information problem. They have a behavior problem. And I do think that's often true, especially for really small businesses. It's like like obese people aren't obese because they don't understand that they shouldn't eat chocolate cake for breakfast. <laughs> like, like they know that they shouldn't, but it's a behavior thing. But at the same time, really what you guys are talking about is that that good person who does have the vision and is trying to do the right thing, but they're burnt out and they're stuck, like it, it really is an information problem in his case. It's not like he just has bad behavior and he's self-destructing. Like they're just legitimately stuck and finding a Yoda uh, can help. Um, when it comes to like, when we talk about leadership as a macro, are there certain mistakes that people make? And I'll start with you, Kaplan, on this just to keep it going back and forth. But um, like, how do people lead incorrectly? Like if, you, if you're going to consult and be a Yoda to someone with a $400,000 business, they've been stuck there for seven years and you observe them, what are you seeing that they're doing wrong regarding leadership or people? Well, I think oftentimes people uh, think that uh, if it's to be, it's up to me. And that, that does ring true. They, they often put themselves in a series of systems within their business where they're Kaplan centric. We, you know, as we were scaling up, we bought a, a tiny little carpet cleaning company and uh, when I was running the phone room, we didn't have systems. We had the way Michael does it. And so it was the Kaplan-centric method. It didn't scale. It took outsiders saying, hey, Michael, you got to get out of the phone room and let mistakes happen and let these systems perform and document things. I was the issue. It, it wouldn't scale because I could only touch parts of the system so frequently or quickly. Um, it, it required that someone come beat me over the head and say, hey, you're doing it wrong. Um, and I think that when you back up from the microsystems you're running and you start to delegate and, uh, let people fail and invest in them, help them grow. Um, you can, you can really, uh, uh, scale systems and surprise yourself with the talent you have on your team. But oftentimes I'll go bounce back to Dalkey for this one you do have to give permission for people to be, to fail, right? Like when you implement a new system, at least in my experience, it actually creates more chaos temporarily, but then you, you scoop up these little margins of time and efficiency in the long run. Like the ROI is insane with a good system, but at first it can feel kind of like a nightmare temporarily, can it? What are your thoughts on that? Well, absolutely. And I think if you go back to your chocolate cake analogy and you think about uh, what Kaplan just said, 
it, there is people that are out there that are doing it and they've got the information. They know they shouldn't eat the chocolate cake, but the real difference is the mindset that goes into that decision to, to do the chocolate cake. So you may have the mindset that, oh, it's breakfast. I want to eat. I need to eat. If I don't eat, oh, well, I got chocolate cake. I should just eat the chocolate cake. And that's similar to, oh, I'm, I'm in the business and the phone's ringing. Uh, should I just, I'm just going to answer the phone. Um, my mindset is the phone's ringing. I should answer it. I got to do what's in front of me right now. I think that the shift in mindset, if you think about going from where Kaplan was saying he's answering the phone to the different, is that things are going to happen and it's okay. Uh, we always say, if you want to make an omelet, you got to crack some eggs. There's going to be some things that are going to be ugly and broken and things like this. And maybe you need to adapt a mindset that says, if someone can do it 80% as good as me, I need to get out of it and let them do it. Whatever the mindset is that you have is going to determine those behaviors that you're talking about. So someone could be working really, really hard, but just have the wrong mindset. And they just need to shift that a little bit. And that can make a huge difference. And you brought up our California investment. A lot of it wasn't that they weren't working hard or that they weren't a good team. They had great, great people. And we saw that right away. The people out there are just phenomenal. Um, the biggest difference is they had to shift a little bit on mindset on a couple of the things they were doing. And once they did, the business was in a completely different trajectory. Oh, that's so awesome. I mean, how, do you think perfectionism plays a big role? Like, I know both of you have worked with lots of small business owners like I do. And for me, perfectionism is like, it's like cancer. It's like everywhere. It like, it cripples your ability to really progress because they either overthink and never implement because they feel like the system has to be perfect in their head before they even try it in the real world, or they expect way too much out of themselves, or they break their whole business model over that one nagging customer who's probably not even a good fit anyway. Like, how does that play into this? I think a lot of people have trouble uh, delegating because they think, well, my way is the only way. And your way may be the best way, but that doesn't scale. If you have to touch every customer on that particular bullet point, uh, that's got to be your way and only you can do it. How's that going to scale? What if the next person did it 85% as well? Mm. Okay, you give up a little bit of quality, but guess what? That scales. You don't have to manage that anymore. So you get a little bit of mess. You get some, you know, eggshells in the omelet. To use Mike's analogy, that's okay. But nobody dies from that. Um, and you can be a lot happier, and your business can scale a lot better. Yeah, and then it becomes sellable. It's an actual asset. It's a hedge against risk to protect your family. My uh, buddy Derek Smallwood's up here from Arkansas this year, and he's just telling me at lunch that he had a guy install some hardwood floors for him. And the guy did it, and he's just this tiny one-man band. And then right after he got done with the job, the guy had a heart attack, and he doesn't really have a business. He's just a technician, and, like, that breaks my heart, you know, because he has no plan B, you know? <laughs> like, that's it. It's over. He had over. a job. He had a job. And it, having a job that is packaged like a business is worse than actually having a job because you've got all the strain, all the stress, all the debt. If you don't have systems in place because you don't have people in place uh, that have autonomy and authority, then you've, you've got the worst job out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I know, Michael, I want to ask you a question too. I don't know if this ties into leadership or not, but a lot of people reach out to you and they kind of are starting to know who you are. And I'm assuming for you, Kaplan, I'm not sure if you've been behind the scenes the last 10 years, just building a mega super company or, but when they reach out to you, it's like, they, they want you to be like a business consultant. And we had talked about that in the past. And you told me that you don't like the, like the traditional consulting model. Um, I didn't know exactly what you meant by that. Can you 
expound on that? Yeah. Um, we, so I think Kaplan and I are both under this philosophy that if you need help and you reach out, uh, we want to help. And so we'll just tell you, um, this is what you should do, or this is what you shouldn't do. We've never felt good about charging anybody for giving them advice or anything like that. And quite frankly, have never done it. Um, just that that doesn't feel right. It's just rather be helpful. Never was an intention of either of us to consult or be consultants. And what we really hated about the model is that you say, hey, it's $2,000 a month to work with me, and I'm going to tell you to do things, and I'm going to get paid regardless of whether you do them and whether or not they're actually good ideas, whether or not they create values. I'm going to extract $2,000 of value, and I'm going to give you something, but it may not be worth 2000 bucks. And we've never felt that's fair or exciting, and it puts all of the risk on the operator. So we've always said we want real value for value transfer. And if we're going to engage with somebody, we want to make sure that our cooking is, uh, we got to eat our own cooking. We got to sleep in our own bed. We got to, we, what we do and the advice that we give or the investments that we make, we have to have, we have to have value for value transfer. So if we exchange value, we hope to get it back, but we also would never take value from somebody just for giving advice. It doesn't feel good to us. It's not wrong for it for per se, but we like being on the same side of the table, both looking the same way. And that's why we prefer to do equity investments and then help as a consultant or help as a added resource versus saying, Hey, you know what? Just pay us. And regardless of success or not, we're going to get paid. We've said, we want to be in game with you. Let's put the money in. Let's do this. And let's uh, make sure that we're both on the same team. Yeah. Kaplan, do you have any thoughts on that? Or did he sum it up pretty good? Well, yeah, I, I'll just I'll pile on a little bit. Uh, consultants are great at putting together big spreadsheets and big binders of stuff and pushing it across the table, uh, saying "Where's my check?" and "Good luck with that." And it it just you know the the risk profile is so messed up there because you you don't know how to how to implement and and consultants don't help you implement. So we we've had a, a great time getting our hands dirty, helping businesses grow, putting growth capital in play and helping them make the tough decisions, not taking over businesses, investing with businesses. And it's been a whole lot of fun because we've seen a lot of rodeos. Uh, there aren't a lot of business problems we haven't, haven't run into uh, in the finance world, the legal world, the uh, human resources world, in the marketing world, the strategy world. Um, it, it's a ton of fun finding businesses that just need a little help getting over the hump and helping them put growth capital to work, helping them put people in place, adjust their business model and get more out of their business and fire themselves from having a job. Yeah. I'm actually just shocked at this whole thing. Like when I was talking to Michael a couple weeks ago and he was telling me what happened with your first California deal, which I've known about, it's been about a year, I think, but I kind of knew that you guys did that and it was mind boggling because you, you guys are like a next level of kind of like understand. I'm not trying to be cheesy. It's just you guys are elite in terms of mental horsepower in this industry to fix stuff. That's you've like you've done it right. And so the opportunity for some struggling business to to partner with you with mutually aligned goals, like you don't just charge them a fee and tell them stuff. Like you actually gave them capital and then told them exactly how to deploy the capital and then told them like to clean his bathroom and to get better English speaking employees. <laughs> like like in the example earlier from the Chinese buffet, like 
that is a rare thing. And so that's why I bugged Mike. I'm like, please, Leo, let's talk about this. I know you guys aren't looking to do a whole bunch of deals and it's kind of risky putting it on the podcast just because a whole bunch of the wrong people will like try to blow you up and like, and, and all that stuff. But just to be clear, can we spend the last few minutes here uh, to wrap up this part one talking about exactly like what you're doing, how it works, like who it's not for, which is probably most people, but like who's your avatar and like what what's the bottom line of like what you guys are doing with Red Hook? I think it's redhookinvestments.com is the website that I had pulled up from a previous conversation we had. What is it? Who shouldn't even bother going there? Who should check it out? Go ahead. Yeah, I'll start with that. So um, the, we've done a lot of different things. So it's hard to say that there's one avatar. Uh, we did a turnaround situation where a company was losing money, needed capital. We put in that capital. We put in some expertise and some leadership. And uh, the owner of that, the majority owner of it, liked the plan so much that he actually did most of the investment. And we only got to do a little bit because he said, I want to do the investment. Like, this is a great deal. So uh, we did a turnaround situation. We've done a debt refinance situation where there was a bunch of debt and it needed to be refinanced, um, kind of factoring against receivables. We've done a startup where there was a guy that we believed in. And if you listen to this, his name's Gabe Torres, and he's just a rock star. And we believed in him fully and said, hey, you know what? If you're going to get this going and this is really, really what you want to do, this is the space you want to play in. This is how to do it. And he grew a business from zero to 300,000 in a year, and it's continuing to go rapidly. And then we've done um, a business where they just, an operator needed to exit, and they wanted to, to be moving on. So we've done a lot of different things. I think what Kaplan and I are most excited about at this stage in the game is finding underutilized assets, and that could be human or that could be business. So someone who's not fulfilling their potential because something in there is stuck or there's something in there where we say, gosh, the business needs to be tweaked and changed. So finding an unutilized asset, unlocking it and creating value where there's an opportunity to put some money to work, put some expertise to work, move the business from here to a different spot. And then in the meantime of that, being a minority stockholder and being able to be bought out at some point in the future so that that person can have control back of the 100% of control of their business should they want that. So we let have me, done Let me de-nerdify this. I got some simple questions just to make sure our audience fully understands. So when you talk about an underutilized asset, does that mean like maybe someone's in a really good market and they do a really good job and their customers love them, but maybe they don't have a deep enough understanding of finance, so they don't have the ability to, to serve or their capacity is limited because they don't have any capital to buy that second and third or the fourth and fifth truck. Is that what you're talking about? Or maybe they're in a market where they have all the pieces, but they really stink at finding rock star employees and they need help with that. Like, Give me a little bit more specifics, if you could, on what that means. Yeah, so uh, I think um, when, when things just aren't quite clicking, the person who's got their business systematized is making tons of money, um, has, has their world figured out, they're, they're growing at the, the right clip, they've got the team in place, they don't need us, we'd love to buy that business. Um, maybe you know the owner wants to exit, uh, we'd, we'd love to talk to that person. That's not the typical relationship that we engage in. Typically, we've got someone who just doesn't have things clicking. They're the right person for us to invest in because they've got grit, they're passionate, 
they've got good morals and ethics and they're they're doing the right thing by their their customers and their team but they they just haven't figured it out they can't figure out uh some of the finance stuff because they they don't know how to job cost or uh how to how to make the books work or uh they need a little bit of growth capital to buy that next rig to to get that big account that's going to help them turn the corner or they need to reinvent their strategy they're um they're in the servicing some of the wrong customers and they don't know how to fire them. Uh, they've got some of the wrong systems for payment processing or archaic, um, uh, you know, paper invoicing, and they just can't figure out how to modernize. Um, they're doing a lot of the things right, but they've got their stock. And what we like to do is unstick them with strategy, unstick with fresh strategy, unstick them with fresh capital and unstick them by helping develop their people. Oh, that is, this is, I hope everybody's paying attention to this because if anything that they just said sounds like it remotely applies to you, go to redhookinvestments.com. Okay. Just so everybody knows, I get nothing for doing this. Zero. This isn't some affiliate thing. This isn't even uh, Kaplan or Dalkey's full time thing. These guys have huge businesses, but this is something that they've been doing. And it just made sense for me to have you guys on because regardless if, they're a good fit for this or not. Like this is just a valuable conversation. I'm eating it up, but go to redhookinvestments.com. There's a little form you can fill out. Um, you answer a couple questions and you can basically have the chance to talk to these guys and just, and just have a conversation, which that by itself is, is extremely valuable and a rare opportunity. So I'm not going to over dramatize it, but I think it's really exciting because, and from what I'm hearing, it's not so much the business itself that has all the different like requirements, but it's the person. Like you said, they have their, their standards, their morals, their customers love them, their team loves them, but something's messed up. Something's broken and it's driving you crazy and you feel like there's not a way out. Well, there is a way out and you at least need to have a conversation with these guys. I, I appreciate both of your time. I know we're going to do two more of these. Uh, I think the next topic, we're going to be talking about business model, which a lot of the people that listen to this show haven't really actually pushed pause long enough to even think about, God, what is my actual business model? What does that even mean? Like, what are the moving parts? How does it work? So I'm excited to have that conversation. Uh, if either of you have any closing thoughts, starting with you, Kaplan, uh, I just want to say thanks for being here and take it from here. Oh, sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It is tons of fun. If if you visit the website, know that you're not charged anything. We don't charge anything. We're we're just looking for, for good relationships, good partnerships where we can put our our capital and our expertise to work. I, I do want to let you know you've been saying the website wrong. It's redhookinvestments.com. Oh, I'm so sorry. I forgot the inflection. Apologies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally different. Totally different. Uh, Dalkey, what do you got to say in closing here? The last thing I would say, you know, Josh, we've had a relationship for a long time and uh, one of the wealthiest people I know, when I asked him, what do you look for when you're doing an investment or an acquisition? Um, his number one criteria is that he, that it would be fun. And number two is that he would make more friends. Um, and you've been a great, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you over the last couple of years. And it's been a ton of fun. And I just want to say that, you know, what we're really looking to do is people saw me and Kaplan together up in Michigan at your private event. And they said, well, you guys look like you're at like a high school reunion or like you're at homecoming. Like you guys are acting like idiots and you're having so much fun. And really, that's what it's about for us is we want to do 
have relationships where we can make more friends, have more fun, and help some people along the way. Yeah, I assure the whole audience that these are just two regular guys. They just happen to make a combined $25 million a year in the service industry. No big deal. No big deal. Just saying. Uh, but it's because of the businessy brain parts, because of the leadership, the business model, the finance, the money. We're going to talk about more of it um, on the next uh, episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Please, 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 please share these episodes with your friends. Don't be selfish with free information. This podcast is a gift to the world, and the only thing I ask in reciprocation is by giving me a digital high five, number one, and that means you give me a five-star review on iTunes. That's super huge. Love it. Woot, woot. For all the people who have done that, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then sharing the episodes in Facebook groups or in LinkedIn or wherever people are around that need to hear this. So I appreciate both of you. I appreciate all the listeners. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Take care. God bless. Red Hook! Red Hook! (laughs) Hey, thanks for hanging out, friends. And from all of us here at the Quick Talk Podcast team, we hope you love today's show. We hope that you were inspired to become a doer and not just a listener. Apply what you've heard today in your own business and watch things change for the better. Lastly, remember that all the money in the world can't save your soul. Seek first the kingdom of God, my friends. We'll see you next time. For more information about the Quick Talk Podcast or Joshua's other businesses, visit our website, quicktalkpodcast.com. Have a blessed day.